today on It's Time. The Bible says we treat everybody the same and we bear with them, forgiving one another. I hear the calling, it's time. It's time. It's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the book of Colossians. So, open your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. book of Colossians. We've been going through the Bible. And again, God's word is important. That's what you need in your life to keep you in the days to come. What you believe is how you live your life. Now, again, it isn't psychobabble, positive self-image, motivational speaking that changes our life. What changes our life is the Bible, the Holy Spirit in us, The hope of glory changing us from the inside out. I like that so much better than hearing messages on all the stuff I'm supposed to be doing and what I shouldn't be doing. And the Bible tells us what we need to do and what we don't need to do. And so we've been going through the book of Colossians. We're in chapter 3. Last week, we talked about what we put off. Put off the anger and the malice and the rage and all those things. We only have so much room to contain. And so if we're containing things that are bad for us, we won't be and have enough room for the things that we're supposed to. So it's a willingness that Paul was writing to this church at Colossae saying, get rid of the stuff that don't belong so you can be the candidate to receive what you do. Let's pray. Fathers, we go to your word today. We just ask you that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, encourage us, give us that insight that how we are to live each day so that our lives will be full of your joy. And so now as we spend this time, may you bless each one of us listening in this room around the world on the internet, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. So chapter three, Colossians. And again, this is such a a great book. Paul had never been to the church at Colossae, but because they loved God and he loved God, he wanted to reach out to them and bless them. And so this is what he does. So we find verse 12 is where we left off last week. Therefore, and I always tell people this, when you find therefore in the Bible, I know it's corny, find out why it's therefore. Why is that? Because it's... uh, either a contrast or it is a combination of what has already been stated. Therefore, as the elect of God, and I pray this morning, you're an elect of God. What does that mean? Your spirit is woke up to the sensitivity of what God in the world wants to do. He wants to do it in the world. He starts with us. And so if you're elect this morning, this is for you. The elect of God, holy and beloved. Never forget who you are. If you forget who you are, the devil will tell you something else. You're holy and you're beloved. You're holy. That means you're set apart. You know, a lot of times we say things in church like, well, holy and sanctified. And and people that aren't used to church are going, you're talking Christianese right now. I don't understand a word of that. Well, here's the thing. Holy means set apart. 
Now you realize you're set apart for God's purpose in your life. I like that. The second thing he tells us here is you're beloved. Now again, when you're loved, you can do a lot of things. When you're unloved, you feel like nobody loves you, everybody hates you, guess you'll go eat worms. You know the old song? You feel so low you can't look up to see down. That's how low you are. Well, the Bible here tells us you're beloved. So he says, if you're elect, woken up to the things of God, holy and beloved, now here it is, put on the tender mercies, the kindness, the humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. These are what he's compelling us to put on in our life. Now, again, this is a verb, and verbs in English class meant they were action words. This is something that I requires me to do. So it isn't a natural occurrence. It's something I have to choose to do. And God will help me help you do those things. So notice it says, put on tender mercies. Mercy is what you give to somebody. Though they don't deserve it, you're being kind to them. I like that. Uh, We always want God to be merciful to us. Uh, we, we don't want God to give us what we deserve. We want his mercy. Give to others that same thing. You know, you're a stinkhead. You've been acting like a jerk. I had a hitch in the face, but instead I'm going to pray for you. Big difference. I remember one time in our church, years ago, um, my uh, bass guitar player came in with a black eye. And I said, what happened to you? And he says, well, you know, I manage the apartments over by the college here in town. That's here in Twin Falls. And he says, a bunch of drunk cowboys were having a party till two in the morning. And they were really tearing it up. And I went down there because other uh, tenants were complaining. And I said, hey, you guys, you need to tone it down. And one of the cowboys hit me in the face and knocked me down and then started kicking me with his cowboy boots. I said, well, what'd you do? And he said, well, what I wanted to do was go get my shotgun and blow him away. I said, well, what did you do? And he goes, I prayed for him. I went, wow. And here he got this big shiner. Well, it was a number of years later that they were in my office. He was there visiting from California. He'd moved actually to manage more apartments in California. He he, he was there. and, And this other guy was there in my office as well. And, and I, I said, and I knew Rick's story. Now, Rick is the Calvary Chapel pastor in Idaho Falls. And I remember they were in my office and uh, he said, oh, I'll leave. I said, no, 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 you guys have met before. And he said, what do you mean we've met before? I don't know him. And I go, yeah, you do. I said, Joe, do you remember the drunk cowboy that was kicking you in the face with his cowboy boots? And he goes, yeah. And I go, that was him. And, he, and I remember Rick looks over and he goes, man, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry. You know, and I said, you know, he wanted to go get a gun and shoot you. And instead, because he loved Jesus, he prayed for you. And had you shot him, you would have killed the Calvary Chapel pastor of Idaho Falls down the road a few years. See, that's tender mercies. That's what mercy does. You need to have your head busted, but instead, because God loves you and I love you, and I see you're acting like a goofball right now, but I'm going to love you in spite of you being a goofball, the Bible says we put on tender mercies. We treat people the way Jesus would. He said kindness. 
Again, these are all attributes, friends, of what a Christian should be like. I know many times we don't see a lot of this in the church anymore. But, but this is what the Bible says we're supposed to be like. Kindness, humbleness of mind. Now, in other words, in contrast to going back to the previous chapter in verse 23, where it talks about a false humility, this is the real humility. This is where you realize, hey, I'm a sinner saved by grace. You know, we go around strutting our stuff. You know, I'm Captain Shiny Buttons. Look at me. Hey, listen, we're all bozos on this bus, and we've all been saved by the same Jesus who died on the cross for us. So where then do I get the idea that I'm better than anybody else? See, humbleness of mind requires me and forces me back into reality. I'm a sinner saved by grace, just as you are. And, and I know that if God touched your life, you, you would be a whole new person. I think, again, back about what Joe did, praying for the guy that he felt like killing. Well, as we look at this, humbleness of mind, meekness, meek ain't weak. By the way, a lot of people go, what's meekness? Meek ain't weak. Meek is the ability to follow God no matter what it takes. Moses, the Bible says, was the meekest man that ever lived. And yet I don't see Moses as weak. I remember the Bible tells us he stood before Pharaoh and did the various uh, uh, plagues at, at, through, um, his, uh, through, uh, through God's commanding him. Well, he wasn't weak. He led the children of Israel out of Egypt. That isn't weak. Well, I'll tell you, you look at some of those Old Testament stories, you talk about faith, friends. A lot of times we think, well, I'm a pretty faithful guy. I think about Moses taking the children out of Egypt. And <laughs> did you ever see there was a program on TV oh, several years ago called Change of Heart? Well, actually, Pharaoh had what was called a change of heart. He realized that after the, the death angel came through the land of Egypt, and the firstborn of everything in the land of Egypt died, the children of Israel didn't experience that because they put the blood of the lamb on their door. The death angel passed over. Well, we remember that he had a change of heart after his son died. And after he said, yeah, take your people, get out of here. He said, no, you know what? I've changed my mind. Bring them back. And so Pharaoh and his army went out to bring the children of Israel back. You know, it's interesting that Moses... Again, a meek man, but he knew where his strength was. He had the Red Sea in front of him. He had mountains on both sides of him. He had Pharaoh's army behind him. The only way out, friends, was up. And that very coming out is the very thing that he did. And God delivered him. We remember they walked through on dry ground. Well, that's being meek. That isn't being weak. Well, meekness. Long-suffering. Oh, long-suffering. <laughs> What's that? I put up with you. I continue to put up with you. How long am I going to put? It's not like we're talking to our kids, don't it? But anyway, how long do I got to put up with you? Well, that's what it is. Why? Because some people, we all have these things about us. And, and it's like, like God says, hey, continue to love even though they're being goofy. You know, there's that hope that they're going to get it. And they will. You just keep loving. Now, again, we apply any of these things we're reading to our marriages. They're going to be a lot better off when we apply the meekness, not acting arrogant, but realizing where our strength come, it comes from God, uh, being long-suffering. I told you to do this. I've told you a thousand times to do this. Long-suffering says, 
I still love you. I'm still going to tolerate you. I'm still hanging in there for you. Why? Because that's the way God is towards us. How many times have you said, God, I promise I'll never sin again. And we all find ourselves out sinning again. That's long-suffering. That's what God does for us. Well, he also says, bearing with one another. Now, it's easy to bear with people that are cool. It is hard to bear with people that aren't. But the Bible says we treat everybody the same and we bear with them, forgiving one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must do. In other words, Jesus is the standard. They were hammering uh, spikes through his hands and through his feet. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And I genuinely believe they did not know what they were doing. That they were crucifying God to the cross. Well, it says that uh, Christ forgave you, you must also do. We learn from him. We remember Jesus in the prayer that he taught his disciples. And forgive us our debts as we forgive those who sin against us. I remember in a Sunday school class one time, the little kids were having a hard time get it. So you, I listened to one of them repeat it one time. And it said, and, and, and Jesus, forgive us our trash baskets as we forgive those who put trash in our baskets. Well, that's pretty true. That's the way it works sometimes. Well, he says, we forgive one another. But here it is, verse 14. But above all things, and here's the action word, put on. This is a verb. This is a choice I've got to make. Put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Put on love. So, again, we Take off, verse 8, you must now put off these things back in verse 8. Now we find we must put on these attributes of Christ and most of all, love. Now again, not the way the world gives, the way God lives. I shared this last week. I remember the, in the, uh, anybody that was a product of the flower power, you know, the 60s and the 70s, oh, that was a weird time in life. And uh, I remember the Beatles wrote a song, All You Need Is Love, and then they broke up. So that wasn't the kind of love we need. Everybody talked about love, but the love that they offered was never real. Now, what people are looking for, friends, today, I don't believe is that much different than it was in the late 60s or early 70s. I believe people are still looking for love. And in love, we find acceptance, forbearance, long-suffering, meekness, all those things that people are looking for. The, you know, if, if we're going to come into church and all we are is a, is, is a, a judgmental force, why would you want to go there? Now, that isn't saying that, what's the old saying? Jesus loves me just as I am, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. God changes us. God changes us from the inside out. Now, this, friends, I remember Jesus when he caught up with Peter along the Sea of Galilee. And um, he said, from now on, Peter, you're going to be catching men. Well, that's the thing always to remember. You catch them, but God cleans them. And he does it via his wonderful Holy Spirit that comes inside of us. So when the Holy Spirit comes inside of me, now this is the the thing that you've got to ask God to do. God just doesn't automatically move into a person. You've got to ask him that. Now what keeps God from moving into an individual? Sin. What is sin? Sin is missing the best that God has for you. 
In other words, I am offering my attempt to be and to make life meaningful. You ever notice how people do that? Well, I got my diplomas on the, on the wall. I drive this kind of car. I have these kind of friends. I wear Gucci and, and I got all these things. And this is what makes me what I am. And God says, scrap it. None of those things will ever make you what God designed you to be. Why? Because they're external. God works internal. In other words, I can't just hang things on me like a Christmas tree and make me something. God changes us from the inside out. Now again, putting on these things. God changes us from the inside. Now, what do I need to expect when God begins to work in my life? Well, I need to be looking for that encouragement from the Holy Spirit to put on tender mercies and kindness and humbleness of mind and meekness and long-suffering and bearing with one another and forgiving with one another. That's what love is. That's what people are looking for. Hey, I'll tell you something. You give people this, yeah, they, they'll never turn away from you. Why? Because people are looking for love. They really are. I really believe that in every quest that man sets forth to do, he's looking for love. Meaningful purpose of life. Now, I'll never know what that is if I'm pursuing my own goals rather than God's goals. So when I ask God to forgive me, of defining life my way, God comes in, puts his invisible Holy Spirit in me, and that dynamo is what changes us from the inside out. What should I expect when the Holy Spirit, when Jesus Christ forgives my sins, comes into my life? What do I need to be looking for? Well, again, tender mercies, kindness, meekness, long-suffering, reminding us I am nothing apart from him. Well, when this happens, he says, but above all things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. That is good. You're you're going to be refined to the point where God does in your life to bring you into the perfect place where he wants you to be. I don't think there's anything, anybody here that, that uh, does uh, any kind of artwork or you like to paint or you do those things, you, you notice things that are out of place. And nothing stands out more than something out of place. Uh, if you paint a car, you'll see the run if you miss the, squeeze the trigger too long. Whatever it might be, but you see something out of place. God's willingness to help us be in the right place, that we would be able to put on that bond of perfection. And here it is, and here's why. And let, and again, the word let is a willingness on my behalf. So though I have the Holy Spirit inside of me, I know God's forgiven my sins, I can still be a stinky if I want to be. You ever notice how we could know about we're going to heaven someday and God's forgiven our sins and God's forgiven me so much, but I'm not going to forgive this because this is outrageous. It's out of place. We don't don't belong. Well, let the peace of God rule in our hearts. I have to let that. It's something God already wants to do in me if I'll just get God's perspective of it. Now, there's two ways to see everything. You can either see it your way, the world's way, or God's way. 
If you see it God's way, it will change your nature. If you see it man's way, you're going to see revenge. You're going to see the get even. You're going to see, boy, you're a bozo. You're going to see all these things wrong. So God changes us. And as it says in verse 15, and let, I got to be willing, the peace of God rule in our hearts. You know, you can fake a lot of things in life. You can fake a smile. You can fake a laugh. You can fake a joy, but you can't fake peace. Why is that? Because peace comes out of your innermost being. And that's what you need. See, that thing is, this is why I believe people drink. I believe this is why people party down. They're trying to alter themselves so they can have peace. They can rest with who they are. What's the old joke? Why does an elephant drink? Because he wants to forget. Well, that's why I think a lot of people drink too. I think they want to forget who they are so that God then can do a new work in their life. Now he says, let the peace of God rule in our hearts to which you were also called in one body and be thankful. Wow. Thankfulness is a key to the peace of God. Why is that? Because when I'm thankful for what I have, I'll be thankful for what I get. But a lot of people aren't thankful for what they have. This isn't something we just talk about at Thanksgiving. This is something that we experience every day. Thankfulness always requires me to take an inventory of how I've been blessed. You ever notice that? If I, well, God, thank you that I have a car that starts. Thank you, God, I have a washing machine that runs. Thank you, God, that I have a roof over my head, even if it might leak. Thank you, God, that I have a lawn to mow. Thank you that I have water dirty. And all of a sudden, we move from what I don't have, well, I'd just be happy if I had that thing. And then it's for sale at yard sales. (laughs) If I just had that one thing, I would be happy completely disregarding all the other blessings that God has blessed us with. Now, here's why it's important. God doesn't waste. God doesn't waste. I think probably one of the greatest, I think a, 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 a Chinese diplomat came over to America. They gave him a tour. And they said, of all the things that impressed you in America, what has impressed you the most? And the Chinese guy said, your garbage. Garbage? He said, if I had your garbage, I'd be the richest man in China. Because we throw away more than we ever use oftentimes. Well, here's the thing. If we're not thankful for what we have, we won't be thankful for what we get. God doesn't waste. But thankfulness engages, thankfulness engages the hand of God in the resources that I have. And together, the will of God can be done. So again, in other words, God entrusts us, and we're stewards, (laughs) none of this stuff we have, friends, is ours. I can prove it. Go to the cemetery. There's no U-Hauls parked out there. When you leave this earth, you leave it all. So then what does that tell me? I need to be mindful of what I have to say, God, how can I best use my resources? What you've entrusted me with How can I best use this to further your kingdom, to love one another, to to bring about that that heart to, to reach out to people? How can I use those things? Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. 
If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time.